Chapter 16 of The Mystery of the Woods by W. H. H. Murray. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 16 For a moment neither man spoke. They stood looking at each other in silence in the tracks where they were planted, and then Herbert ejaculated, God be praised! As the words came out of his mouth, he seized the trapper by the shoulder and, with a motion quick and imperious, dragged him through the balsam branches directly toward the tree whence the sound of the scratching had proceeded. The distance had not exceeded six paces, and as they broke through the bush, they stood face to face with a man. And the man, from some freak of idiocy or insanity, had clothed himself from head to foot, even to the tips of his fingers and down to his eyes, with the skin of a panther and the idiotic or insane creature had not only clothed himself in a panther's skin, but was actually imitating the habits of the animal whose covering he had taken for his own. Nothing but his face, as we have said, was left undisguised, and fortunate for him it was that his countenance was uncovered, else would he have paid with his life the penalty of his foolishness. For Henry, when he passed his eyes into the sights, acting according to the trapper's suggestion, had searched for a spot as high up as the butt of the ear, and not until the pressure of his finger on the trigger had become nearly sufficient to explode his piece did he discover that it was the face of a human being and not the head of an animal on which he was drawing his bead. It is the very same critter, Henry. Yes, it be the very self-same critter that me and the pups tracked last fall, and once did the hand of the Lord preserve him from my bullet, and again has the hand of the Lord preserved him from yourn. I do not wonder, Henry, that your face whitened, for your finger must certainly have been heavy on the trigger when you sighted the true color of his skin, and you come nigh to doing murder, but his blood would have been on his own head had your eye been less keen and your finger less steady, for he has taken in his foolishness for his covering the hide of an animal that is man's natural enemy, and when a human being converts himself into an animal, he must take the fortune of an animal. So... He would have said more, but the terrible creature, for indeed he was terrible to the sight who had remained clinging to the tree, suddenly turned, and crouching down like the ferocious animal whose appearance he had simulated, gathered himself for a spring, pouring out of his mouth a succession of screams so startlingly savage that the young man involuntarily started back. "'None of that! None of that!' said the trapper. "'Just be a little careful in your acting, for the hammer of my right barrel be lifted.' and I ain't in a temper to stand any of your foolishness. I can see by your eye that you know the meaning of a groove barrel when you look into it, and though I don't conceit that you have but a little wit, you mustn't play any of your tantrums on a man who hates the color of your skin and ain't more than half suited with your acting. The singular creature still kept his crouching position, but the growl which again proceeded from his mouth was not only far less in volume, but of gentler expression. "'That's right, that's right,' said the trapper. "'Sober down as fast as you can, "'and the quicker you get to your natural wit, "'if you have any, the better it'll be for you. "'And as I have a sort of feeling "'that a man in your predicament "'needs a lift out of his foolishness, "'I certainly advise you to quit your crawling "'and stand up on your legs. "'And as it may hasten your thinking a little "'and help you to a right judgment, "'I'll tell you that if you don't get onto your legs "'in a natural way,' I'll help you get onto him. So hist yourself onto your feet, or I'll treat you as a man ought to be treated who takes the devil's own skin for his covering. Hist, I tell you, said the trapper. Hist, I tell you, 
and be quick about it. For you fooled the boy in his first shot at one of your kind, and I won't stand any more of your foolishness. The eye of the trapper and the sound of his voice, rather than the words that he spoke or the meaning of them, probably influenced the insane creature to the decision that the trapper demanded of it. For, after eyeing the speaker steadfastly for a moment, during which time the wild light of insanity was fading from his eyes, the man, thus strangely clothed, rose to his feet and stood as if expecting further commands. "'I'd be glad to see you actin' more rational-like,' continued the trapper, "'and it may be that the Lord has brought you to our presence to help us in our searchin'. "'I have some questions to ask you, "'and as the bushes be a little thick here and I don't like to leave the boat too long out of sight, "'you had better come with us to the beach, where we can have a little converse, "'and hold a council on the matter. "'So you lead on toward the point. "'Yes, you go on ahead of us.' And don't you try any of your tricks at getting away, for the first jump that you take, unless it be in the line of the point, will make you wear splints for a month and need the virtue of yarbs. With this admonition, the trapper stepped one side and with an authoritative gesture motioned the strange creature to precede him in their return to the point. This he did promptly, and in a few moments they were again standing under the pines, nigh the boat. I'm a little uncertain, Henry, said the trapper. How to speak to the critter, his foolishness points in the wrong direction, for it don't point towards his kind, and how to converse with a man that conceits himself to be an animal is more than I can tell. Can't you talk with him by signs? Herbert asked. I've had a good deal of that in my day, answered the trapper. I've made a good many signs that have been understood, and I've made a good many signs that them I was making them to didn't understand. Now the redskins on the plains talk by signs, and it's the easiest way of talking, for you can say just about what you want to, and you can say it in your own way, and that ought to content a reasonable man. But a redskin has an eye for signs and motions, and if he once gets on the track, he'll follow you to the end. Perhaps he will talk, responded Henry encouragingly. He has a mouth for certain, said the trapper, and he can get a good deal of noise out of it as you can testify, for he opened on you in the balsam thicket in a way that actually made you start. And the trapper laughed heartily at the remembrance of the scene. Yes, Henry, you actually jumped when the critter opened on you. And I don't know as I blame you, for he certainly did make an unhuman noise. Yes, he can make a noise for certain. But whether he can make a noise with any sense on it is another question. But I might as well try him anyway. During the continuance of his dialogue, the singular being, who was the object of it, stood as if unconscious of their voices or their presence. His face had on it the stolid look that comes not merely from the absence of reason, but from inanition itself. His eyes were unintelligent, save when lighted with frenzy, and his features without expression, save when convulsed with some spasm of ferocity. The trapper stood and eyed him curiously, he felt that the task that he was to undertake was one of the utmost difficulty, and that, as to the accomplishment of it, there was but the dimmest prospect. But the motive which moved him to the effort was of the noblest, and the feeling which actuated him deep and strong. That the girl was somewhere in the woods, he knew. That she was probably left somewhere in the vicinity of this lake he deemed probable, and that this singular creature in his aimless ramblings might have run across her or at least seen the boats of the outlaws in their coming or their going, was at least possible. He 
He therefore determined, if it lay in his power, to obtain from the strange being in front of him whatever he might know touching the whereabouts of the girl, or the coming and going of the party whose prisoner she was. "'I think you be a fool,' said the trapper to the strange creature after he had studied his face closely for a full minute. "'And if there be any sense in you, that your craziness will make it of little account in this council. And so, between the two, what you don't know and what you wouldn't know if you did know it, I don't conceit that I shall get much out of you. But a girl must be found, and it may be that the Lord sent you and your craziness to this point, and that he made Henry see the color of your true skin to answer the purpose of his mercy. For if he didn't, I must say I can't account for the boy's failure in the balsam thicket. With these words, the trapper put himself in front of the object of his remarks and prepared to address him. End of chapter 16